You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Observers see a shift in Russia's influence tactics, but prank calls are probably not among those tactics. An event site suffers a data breach and warns customers to be alert for spoofing. COVID-19 contact tracing continues to arouse privacy concerns. Joe Kerrigan has tips for safe online shopping during the holidays. Our guest is Dmitry Volkov from Group IB with insights from their latest high-tech crime trends report. Ransomware hits another U.S. school district, and social media are being used to intimidate cooperating witnesses. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, November 25th, 2020. While Russian influence operations during the U.S. election seem to have fizzled, the Voice of America reports that Moscow appears to be laying the foundations of subsequent campaigns. Instead of troll farming and inauthentic social media, the new Russian approach to disinformation evolves establishing mindshare in fringe U.S. media, far left and far right, using feeds from state-controlled outlets like RT, Sputnik, TASS, and Izvestia TV, One of the pathologies of intense political commitment, apparently, is heightened gullibility. Some Russian operators, and they say they're comedians, funsters, not agents of the state, continue to enjoy success with prank calls made to various world leaders. The BBC says that the two performance artists, Vladimir Kunetsov and Alexei Stolyarov, have released a recording of an exchange they had with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau back in January. They pretended to be young climate change activist Greta Thunberg, which is perhaps more plausible than using one of the traditional gag names like IP Freely or Amanda Huggenkiss. And they got the PM to pick up the phone. He was polite and diplomatic, listening to advice that he should leave NATO, drop your weapons, pick flowers, smile at nature... Mr. Trudeau's office said in a statement, the Prime Minister determined the call was fake and promptly ended it. The BBC notes that while these two gents have been accused for working for the Russian security services, they themselves deny it, saying, we only choose the subjects we are interested in ourselves. So who knows? Maybe they're right. Anyway, they're funnier than Tass, so they got that going for them. Piatix, which describes itself as a global event discovery and ticketing platform, has disclosed a data breach that exposed user data. The company is working to contain the damage. ThreatPost reports that some stolen data have appeared in Instagram and Telegram posts. 
Yantix warns users to watch out for spoofed communications. Some collection of COVID-19 data for contact tracing has been inadvertently intrusive, as, for example, with the apparently unintentional harvesting of data by Australian intelligence services. The country's Inspector General of Intelligence and Security has reported to the Information Commissioner that some collection of data from the COVID-safe contact tracing app did occur, but that the data did not seem to have been decrypted or used by those unnamed agencies. Coincidentally, the United Nations has issued a general warning about the threats to communications and data privacy management the COVID-19 pandemic presents. The UN is in favor of contact tracing, but it wants it done without putting potentially repressive and intrusive policies in place. Five aspirational guidelines are offered. The UN hopes they'll serve as a template for responding to future crises. Be lawful, limited in scope and time, and necessary and proportionate to specified and legitimate purposes in responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. Ensure appropriate confidentiality, security, time-bound retention, and proper destruction or deletion of data in accordance with the aforementioned purposes. Ensure that any data exchange adheres to applicable international law, data protection, and privacy principles, and is evaluated based on proper due diligence and risk assessments. Be subject to any applicable mechanisms and procedures to ensure that measures taken with regard to data use are justified by and in accordance with the aforementioned principles and purposes, and cease as soon as the need for such measures is no longer present. And be transparent in order to build trust in the deployment of current and future efforts alike. Chances are you're doing some online shopping this season. Of course you are. There's no shame in it, but if course, there's always concerns about the possibility of fraud. What does fraud cost? It depends, and holidays or not. In part, it seems to be a generational thing. Atlas VPN has worked through U.S. Federal Trade Commission data and concluded that millennials lose between two and $300 per fraud case, while elderly people, those aged 80 and above, lose up to $1,200. On the other hand, the millennials are scammed more often than their elders, possibly because they simply do more online and present the grifters with more targets of opportunity. By the way, we just bought some Girl Scout cookies online ourselves, and you should feel free to do the same. Those girls are no grifters. Two stories come today from Greater Baltimore. In one, the Baltimore County Public Schools have canceled instruction today. The Baltimore Sun reports that the system has come under a ransomware attack and all classes have been canceled. The school district is working to remediate the problem, but has no estimate as to when it might be able to resume operations. The disruption comes at a particularly unfortunate time as schools attempt to shift more instruction online. Also in the Baltimore Sun is an account of an unusually ugly form of online intimidation. Criminals are posting images of people who cooperate with police investigations to Instagram. It's not only intimidation and threat, but it's often extortion as well, as the criminals demand money in exchange for taking down the pictures. Only Cash App will get you off this page, says one representatively subliterate post. May the hoods receive the attention from the police they richly deserve. You might be experiencing some difficulty accessing our site today, Amazon Web Services, which we use, have been clobbered with outages today that appear to have been particularly severe along the U.S. East Coast, roughly between New York and Washington. 
Amazon is working on the problem, which ironically has affected their own service health dashboard. We regret the inconvenience and hope to be back to you soon. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration, Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire. CyberCrime Con 2020 is a virtual threat hunting and intelligence conference being held November 25th through the 27th, 2020. The program for the three-day event powered by Group IB includes an all-star speaker lineup as well as a full-day threat hunting competition. The CyberWire is a media partner for the event. Dmitry Volkov is from Group IB. He'll be presenting at CyberCrime Con. He joins us with insights from their latest high-tech crime trends 2020-21 report. Well, it's our annual report where we're trying to explain what are key uh, threat trends that we observed within a year. And usually we're always able to find something new uh, that was not covered by other reports, basically because we have our own incident response, our threat intelligence, and uh, of course, our investigation department. To be honest, uh, all these threat actors uh, who were active within a year it's always possible to detect their activity. All recommendations will be the same. You need to pay more attention about uh, your uh, security on network perimeter. Uh, you need to pay attention for how you patch your software and uh, deliver. Of course, you need to be able to deploy uh, some additional security controls that allow you to track 
network traffic, uh, do sandboxing, and of course, endpoint solution where it will track the activity of threat actors uh, on the behavior level. Sometimes EDR could be helpful. And of course, you need to uh, find someone who will do active threat hunting because not everything is possible to detect by existing security solution stack. And that's why actually uh, all these penetration tests, uh, external penetration tests are quite successful. But meanwhile, on side stage of attack, usually uh, there are artifacts that allow you to detect uh, the malware or even threat detector. Not just detect, but of course, to, to be able to attribute it. Was there anything that was surprising in this year's report and anything that uh, that bubbled up that uh, that you hadn't expected? Well, we didn't thought that threat uh, actors who did target attacks against financial institutions will stop the activity. So we don't attack banks to to rob them. We also stop this activity and begin with uh, participate uh, begin to participate uh, in affiliate programs are relevant to ransomware. Sometimes it's closed affiliate programs, sometimes it's open, but like gangs like uh, Silence, Cobalt, Money Taker, we don't see them anymore actively doing attacks against financial institutions. So we have the experience how to get access to a corporate network, how to completely compromise it, uh, get full control over it. And uh, then we just deploy ransomware. We don't need to uh, do uh, with money laundering uh, to get access to financial systems. So much more easier money. That's Dmitry Volkov from Group IB. He's one of the presenters at the upcoming Cybercrime Con that's being held November 25th through the 27th. Be sure to check out CyberWire Pro on our website, thecyberwire.com. You can find extended versions of many of our interviews. That's thecyberwire.com. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute, also my co-host over on the Hacking Humans podcast. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. Joe, it is that time of year. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, we, are, we are heading on a, a steep, uh, uh, jumping off the cliff toward the holiday season. And that means yep. uh, lots of uh, shopping. It means I'm officially okay with, uh, you know, after this weekend, after we get through Thanksgiving, that's when it's okay to put up your decorations and play your Christmas music and all that kind of stuff. Got a little bit of information for you, Dave. The decorations are already <laughs> up inside my house. Oh my! Oh my! All right. Well, that's cheating. I I uh, I call foul. I <laughs> you'll have to take it up with Lisa. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'll have a lot of luck with that. Right. Um, but getting to our point here, uh, Black Friday, big shopping day, and of course uh, followed by Cyber Monday. Yeah. Uh, saw an article come by from the folks over at the Naked Security blog by Sophos, uh, mm -hmm. the great Paul Ducklin wrote this one up. Um, and it's uh, basically some good guidelines for for staying safe uh, with this uh, rush to shop online. I mean, certainly this year more than ever, that's the way folks are going to do it. That's right. Black Friday is not going to be waiting in line at a crowded store this year for obvious pandemic-related reasons, right? Yeah. So yeah. the retailers are not going to just let this day go by. It's a big a big uh, cash money day for them. So they're, they're going to just offer these deals online. Which means that uh, there's all kinds of issues that come along with that for both Black Friday and Cyber Monday this year. And the article makes the point that whatever you do for your cybersecurity for Black Friday is good to do all the time, right? Mm. 
These are just good practices that they have. And uh, Paul has put down some tips in here that are really good tips. Um, some of them are things that I've said multiple times, but here's a good one that I have never said before. <laughs> Write down the contact details for your financial providers. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, make He says, make an old school written copy of the emergency contact numbers and email addresses for organizations such as your bank and credit card issuers or insurance companies. That way you'll have access to them even if you lose access to your payment card or the or your phone gets stolen, right? Because all that information is on the back of your credit card. So right. if, you're, if your right. wallet gets physically stolen from you, how are you going to call that number? Write it yeah, down. well, and it, it also helps you resist the urge when someone sends you a, a fake email or a fake text message that says, hey, this is your bank. Call this 800 number right now. You yeah. know, then they give if, you a if, fake number. If you get that information, if you get if you get that text, just flip the credit card over and call that number. Don't call the yep. number that anybody ever sends you. Uh, that's another, another bit of advice I've been giving for a long time. It, call a number that you know is the bank. Either look it up online, go to the phone book, or use the back of your credit card. But if you've lost your credit card, you should have written it down. Um, and Paul makes a good point. Write it down before you wish you had written it down. <laughs> right, right, right. What else does he list here? He says, uh, learn about account lock features offered by your bank or credit card issuer. Some of these card companies have uh, ways to just quickly lock or, and unlock your your credit card so that nobody else can use it. Some don't. Uh, but you know, I think that's going to become more of a differentiator in the marketplace over time. Mm -hmm. uh, learn how to clean up your browser's autofill storage. That's really good, uh, really good advice because maybe you don't want your credit card information being stored in your browser's uh, autofill storage space. So uh, just learn how to clean that out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do a little audit. Right, do a little audit, exactly. Uh, yeah. In the U.S., uh, this is for our U.S. listeners, apparently there's a, a federal law that allows consumers to apply a credit freeze, which stops people from uh, applying for new loans in your name. It's a way to uh, put the brakes on identity theft. It, it's a little bit inconvenient because if you need to go out and apply for any debt, then you have to first release the credit freeze. Uh, but you can do this uh, at your leisure, and mm -hmm. it, the credit companies have to obl oblige you. It's, it's a law. Paul says, consider using a prepaid debit card for one-off purchases, and that's, that's a good idea. Um, there are also other services out there that will let you have a virtual credit card number um, I, I don't want to endorse anybody in particular, uh, but if you listen to other podcasts, you'll hear you'll hear the name of at least one of them. But it gives you a, a fake and temporary credit card number that you can use to go out and make a purchase, and that you can actually tie that credit card number to a single merchant so that nobody else can use it. So even if that merchant gets breached, that credit card information is useless to anybody unless they go to the merchant that you were using it at. And then even yeah, then you can yeah. you can set up a limit for it. So Right. And they can be single use. They so can be and one, you can right exactly. Yeah. Good point. You can make disposable ones uh, yeah, that you'll yeah. use once. Uh, right. and finally, uh, and this is one uh, that is my number one point right now, turn on two factor authentication wherever you can. Wherever you can use whatever you can, the most secure kind you can that's available. So the three most common types of multi factor authentication are the uh, text message, the SMS, that's more secure than nothing, but not very secure. The next one is the uh, time-based password. You see these apps like Google Authenticator and Microsoft has one as well. Uh, it's the same technology that's in the little uh, tokens that you get from your employer if they have multi-factor authentication. And finally, mm. something that's like a physical token, like uh, a FIDO key, like YubiKey or Google has their, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but Google has something that's based off the same infrastructure. Yeah. Those are the most secure. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, I, I think this is uh, one of those uh, articles that, uh, you know, those of us in the biz probably do most of this stuff already. But first, it's a good reminder. But second, this is a great article to send around to your friends and family. Uh, just lays it all out in a nice, approachable way for them to, to if they haven't thought about some of these things, it's a, it's a great way to get them started. I think I'll post this article on Facebook, Dave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so oh, it's a good one. That, so that everybody can uh, get some advice from me because I like telling people what to do. <laughs> no kidding. Nope. Nobody <laughs> listens, but I, I still right. like telling them. That's <laughs> all right. It's all right. It's good. It's good, it's good to know your limits, Joe. Uh, all right. Well, again, the article is titled Black Friday, Stay Safe Before, During, and After Peak Retail Season. It's over on the Naked Security blog with uh, Sophos, written by Paul Ducklin. Uh, Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure, Dave. that's the Cyberwire. A happy Thanksgiving to all and many thanks to you for listening and reading. We'll be taking the next two days off for the holiday. We'll be back as usual on Monday. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. The best of all is Butterball. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker too. Research Saturday is taking a break this week for the Thanksgiving holiday, but we will be back with more research the following Saturday. We hope you'll join us then. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. We'll be right back.